on a week when Austin Theory came back, when Jackson Riker came back, and don't call him Matt Riddle, is now in the United States Championship pitcher. I know that the advocates, the SJWs and the keyboard warriors, their fingers are all a flutter, but relax, relax, relax. There's one thing we can all come bask in the glow of, and that's NXT. Let's talk about it. What's going on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pal, it's Pass Phoenix, the YWC Rally Check, here with your December 9th, 2020 NXT review. That is right. That is right. We are almost to the end of this shitty, shitty year. I, I should have more to say than that, but holy crap. Even though, yes, 2021 is going to start off just as shitty, there is something cathartic to knowing that 2020 is almost, almost over. Um, gonna do the, uh, the opening, uh, the opening spiel, the, the house cleaning, as I always do, but goddamn, uh, we're coming to the, we're coming to the finish line of the year. Are we gonna make it? We're gonna make it. You guys, you guys and me, m me and the co-hosts, it's all good. We're all gonna make it. Hope you guys are doing well. I'm doing fine. I have no voice and my sinuses are kind of fucked. I promise I don't have the vid, but, uh... If I sound a little bit different than normal, that is why. But we are going to head into the house cleaning. Head into the house cleaning, first of all, and let you know something that is happening for sure because it is already recorded. It was already set to premiere on Friday, right after SmackDown. You guys know, Jake DeMarco and I, a couple weeks ago, started the, uh, the breakdown of the NXT women's division. It's only fair that I get together with Guapo and talk about AEW's tag team division because God knows they don't have a women's division to the point where I think they're going to borrow two other companies' women's divisions. I promise that's not going to be the last dig I take at AEW tonight. Um, that's going to go out this Friday. It's a lot of fun. Hopefully, I'm also recording... Uh, Part 2 with Jake for the uh, NXT Women's Division. That will go out probably the week after. In the next few weeks, Kristen and I are going to try and get together and do the uh, the Joker review to round out the Joker trilogy that we've done. Uh, don't have that set in stone just yet. And yeah, I'm going to tell you guys what I always tell you guys. If you're watching me right now on YouTube with the pretty sexy face and the gimmick hat, you want to find me in an audio platform, you want to go over to any of your podcasting platforms, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google, whatever the Google gimmick is, um, search Spaz Phoenix Podcast. If you are listening to me in an audio platform and you can't see me do the stupid weird pose that I do when I say the stupid sexy face in the gimmick hat, uh, you want to find me on YouTube, go to YouTube, search Spaz Phoenix. You want to follow me on Twitter, at Spaz Phoenix and at Spaz Phoenix 1. Um... Instagram, at Spaz Phoenix. Go to Facebook if you're still on Facebook. I know a lot of people think it's antiquated, but whatever. Look up the Spaz Phoenix Podcast Facebook group. And please share it around. I know it's the end of the year. I know I can double down with you guys with not only the fact that Christmas is coming, but also that it is my birthday in 13 days. Um, still got that small little goal of 1100 by New Year's. Whether it's going to happen, I don't know. The other thing is... Um, you know, what drives YouTube and people tell me all kinds of things. I don't, I don't follow the whole, like what drives YouTube because I'm not monetized. I don't make a cent on here, but I would like to get, uh, I would like a little bit of attention. If I didn't want attention, I wouldn't be on YouTube. Would I, um, and they say likes and comments. So if you want to throw me a like down in the box below, if you want to throw me a retweet in the box below, that's cool. 
I would like to see that comment box fill up because I know we do get some interaction on the nights when these go live. The comment section is pretty, uh, it's pretty slim and that's cool because I guess that means people are enjoying the live stream, but I, I am going to start tossing you guys out questions uh, that you can answer in the comment section if you wish tonight. Short, sweet, simple, and a little bit mundane, I guess. The next event we are building up to is NXT New Year's Evil. And if you saw the the graphic that they put up today for New Year's Evil, yes, it's cheesy as fuck, and that's why I love it. So here's your very simple question for the night. If you want to throw anything down in the box below, tell me who you want the next challengers to be. Who do you want Finn Balor's next challenger to be? Who do you want Io Shirai's next challenger to be? Who do you want... Lorcan and Birch's next challenger to be? Who do you want Escobar's next challenger to be? Uh, who do you want Johnny Gargano's next challenger to be? I almost forgot. Gargano. How could I forget the Gargano? That's not the Gargano way. Let's get into this week's show before my sinuses fall out of my face. Don't, yeah, listen to what I'm saying, but don't listen to how I sound, because I don't even like the way I sound right now, but it is what it is. Start off the show obviously with War Games highlights from the weekend. War Games was fun. We went into that show. Jake and I, Jake and I previewed it last week. We knew that it was going to be bookended by the two War Games matches. I think the women's match was better than the men's, but it's it's not by a very big margin. Uh, Thatcher and Champa was better than I thought. Grimes and Loomis I could barely look at, and uh, and the Gargano rough and Priest match was a lot of fun with the reveal of Austin. And it was me all along, Austin, uh, was a nice callback, first of all. Second of all, it was awesome to watch Twitter blow up about that and have an aneurysm. Because I'm a shitty person, and I find that shit hilarious, and it's not quite the same as Velveteen Dream. If you want to know why it's not the same as Velveteen Dream, I have two episodes on this channel or on this podcast on the subject. Go find them. I'm not wasting my breath on it. Again, we saw the highlights from War Games, but it was all voiced over by uh, Finn Balor who wasn't on the show on Sunday, but he says, you know, enjoy your war games, enjoy your team sports. Uh, as of Wednesday, all eyes are back on the Prince. And that's who we start with in the ring. We see Balor, and it's sort of a cold open. He's already in the ring. His music is still playing, but he's already in the ring, and he's it's sort of erratic. He's kind of got like a little bit of an unsettled like Joker vibe to him because he's pacing back and forth, and he's staring down the camera, and the camera's like really uncomfortably close while he's talking. Basically, he talks about how the, uh, basically what he said on Sunday: War Games is over, the team sports are over, the champ is back. Some love me, some hate me, but if you want to get to know me, meet me in the ring. And then immediately I got happy because the first music we heard, and yes, this is a segment where somebody comes out and says something, and then they're interrupted. And and then they're interrupted, and then they're interrupted, and then they're interrupted. But you know what? I will admit that that is a little bit of a raw SmackDown trope, but look at the bodies in this scenario as we play it out. Now, first interruption comes from Pete Dunne, and you guys know, A, I love Pete Dunne. Pete Dunne's great anyways. B, I'm biased. I've, I got to see him defend the Destiny Championship a lot against guys like John Morrison and Marty Scurll and Josh Alexander and, well... Austin Aries and James Ellsworth, which was weird. So, yeah, Destiny, check it off your Spaz Phoenix bucket list, but also Finn Balor versus Pete Dunne. What kind of fucking match would that be? Tell me that doesn't belong on a pay-per-view. Um, he basically, he puts out some pretty generic shit, to be, to be honest. Uh, Pete Dunne is good at a lot of things. I wouldn't put him high in my rankings as far as cutting promos, basically, you know, me and you are kind of the same. We came from overseas. We, uh, came over to America to make our name for ourselves. We both, you know, flourished in NXT. 
which I think is kind of funny because he made his name with the North America or with the uh, United Kingdom Championship. But that it is what it is. It's about time we were face to face. But don't don't get used to it. That title will be mine soon. And then he's cut off by O'Reilly, who does the whole Peter Dune thing, which I think is it shouldn't be as funny as it is, but it is. He says, "Sorry, I'm late," which is always awesome. Uh, you. you Pete Dunne, everybody knows you're a really, really tough guy, but hey, by the way, who won? Who won on Sunday? Balor, I broke your jaw. You won the match. We've got a lot to still settle. You've been eating life, you've been eating uh, your food through a straw for the past uh, several weeks. Why don't we finish it? And then the interesting one, where, where my ears perk up a little bit, is Damien Priest comes out, and he says a lot of typical, like, smarmy Damien Priest stuff, but basically says, no offense to these guys, but you know that you and I are a marquee match. And it took me a minute to remember that these guys had a takeover match. It was that weird, um, that weird match that they had really for no reason other than to make Damien Priest look good, where he did that awkward spinebuster spot onto the flat of the steel steps. I remember that. That was really good. Do that for the... Ch he wouldn't win, obviously. He would be a transitional challenger. But another round of, uh, of Finn Balor versus Damien Priest wouldn't hurt my feelings at all. All three of these guys start talking shit. O'Reilly starts talking shit. Dunn starts talking shit. Priest starts talking shit. There's a little bit of making fun of the accents and stuff like that. And Balor just sits there with a smirk on his face and laughs and walks away. And all of a sudden, Priest says, you know, hey, champ, where do you think you're going? Da, 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 da. And he says, from the rampway, he says, look, you know, we got a show coming up January 6th, New Year's Evil. I'll be there defending my belt. Who it's against is, is a William Regal problem. And I love that. I love that. It's like, I'm going to be there. I'll be there defending my belt you know, somebody show up type thing. I love the fact that he name drops Regal and basically says it's Regal's problem. But then the predictable music hits. It is the music that we haven't heard in a long time. It was the music of the guy that was, you know, hinted at with the Vulture on Sunday. And that's obviously Karrion Cross. But it wasn't Karrion Cross. It was Scarlet. Um... You know, they did a showdown, all that all that type of thing. Uh, and, and Balor sort of cuts it off. And it didn't go the typical tropey, metaphorical uh, carrying cross route. Because he basically says, you know, save it. I know what you're going to say. You're going to say TikTok, but just tell your boy when he's ready, I'm ready. But then you got some shit talk from the ring after, after Balor went away. And it was Priest basically doing the cocky heel, like, I'm going to talk down to the woman thing because you know sometimes that's what you do is like you know do you does he always wait in the car while you handle his business tell him next time if he wants to fight you know he basically calls him out i don't know exactly i don't remember exactly the wording but it was more or less you know if tell me tell him if he wants a fight he can have a fight because because that seems like a good idea this is the guy that not too long ago won the WWE, or not the WWE, sorry, the NXT Championship from Keith Lee and was forced to relinquish it the next day. Uh, we come back from commercial break and Pete Dunne is being interviewed by somebody, I think it's, I think her name's Mackenzie Mitchell, I'm not gonna lie, I don't, uh, I don't 100% know. Basically, he's talking about how he didn't come back come back to uh, this version of NXT to sit in the back and wait his turn and rah, 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 and then he gets jumped by Killian Dane because we need to tie up that storyline and uh, you know, he smashed his head in a car door, etc. So, you know, they're having a bit of a scrap. Gee, I wonder what's going to happen later on. Jake Atlas versus Swerve Scott and when these guys were coming out to the ring, I wasn't paying attention to the ring announcer. I figured it was going to be a tag match because both of these guys 
are realistically baby faces. Both of these guys have had problems with Legato del Fantasma. Both of these guys have been on teams with each other. Um, but no, they're opponents, and that's that's fine too. Call it. Why are we beeping? Sorry, guys. There we go. Every now and then. It still happens every now and then. Color double type and a takedown by Swerve. He starts working the arm. A back suplex by Atlas. Both men trade some strikes. Swift kicks. Sorry. Swift kick by Swerve and chops in a super kick by Atlas. Modified falcon arrow by Atlas and a super kick. Step over kick by Swerve. Rolling armbar. Back elbows by Atlas and a pinning reversal sequence ultimately works in the favor of Jake Atlas for the win. They have a really, really tense sort of stare down. Not quite a handshake. You know, handshake, but a handshake that was slapped away by, uh, by Swerve. And if if memory serves me correctly, we haven't seen Swerve in a couple of weeks, so if he's going to go with a little bit of an edgy side, and we saw last week that Atlas was going on a little bit of an edgy side, you're going to have two baby faces showing what dicks they can be because they know they ultimately have to face the dick uh, cruiserweight champion in in Santos Escobar. So that could be that could be a really interesting story. Um. I'm not sure who I want to win out of that because both of them have had their their shots. Swerve on pay-per-view, Jake Atlas several times on the weekly show. So I I don't know. I really don't. I wouldn't mind Leon Ruff getting into that picture. As I've said for the, for a few weeks now, take the uh, hey I was the North American champion for a hot minute. How about I grab uh, that belt now? Maybe that belt will actually fit me. Moving on, and don't call him Leo Rush. Remember, if you call him Leo Rush, you're a bad person, you're a terrible person, you're racist and you're horrible, and you should have your Twitter taken away. Except, no, because that's not how it works. Ciampa is backstage talking about moving forward after Sunday. He's facing Cameron Grimes tonight. He calls Cameron Grimes loud and brash and a squeaky wheel and, and you know, you must have some confidence or is all this bravado to make up for the fact that you have absolutely none. Let's find out tonight. Uh, I kind of cheated with the next match because there was way too much going on for me to take proper notes. But it was a tag team triple threat match between Imperium, uh, I should say Marcel Barthel and Fabian Eigner from Imperium, uh, versus the Grizz Grizzled Young Veterans versus Everrise. Now, Everrise are actually developing some character. They're not just being jobbers anymore. They're these obnoxious little shits that are going to take a win when they can, and even when they lose, they're going to convince themselves that they're awesome. And I'm coming around on, on Everrise, I'm not going to lie. But, uh, obviously, because of the events of last week, uh, Grizzled Young Veterans and Imperium four-on-two beatdown on Everrise. And this is not the kind of tag-team triple threat match that I like. This is, um... This is what they did with the three-way matches at Survivor Series last year, where you've got three teams, and one member of each team is always in. So it's a triple threat match in the ring. I, personally, much prefer the triple threat tags where there's only two guys in the ring at once, and you can tag anybody from any team, and then, you know, you tag in the Road Dog and Badass Billy Gunn to face each other, and then they pin each other and win the match, and then we get the outlaw rule. But I still much prefer that, because if you have a triple threat... Uh, it is usually two people fighting and one guy on the outside. Anyway, if you do it this way, it's it's two people in the ring and four people on the outside where you can swap in constantly, and it doesn't seem quite so contrived. But w what we get here is Grizzly Young Vets and Imperium 
uh, taking on each other in a one-on-one, pretty heavy-hitting match. I mean, you got two teams from the UK brand. You know, these guys aren't going to pull a punch. These guys are kicking the shit out of each other, and Everrise is sort of like there on the outside waiting to get their shots in, etc. Um, there's insane tandem combination uh, maneuvers from Grizzled Young Veterans. I forgot that. I mean, you think about Grizzled Young Veterans, you think about the Zach Gibson promos, don't you? And the fact that they're hard-hitting as fuck. But the um, the fast um, strings of, of, what do you call it, tandem wrestling that you got out of the tomb was something I forgot about because we haven't seen them in a while. But it is really, really cool. Everrise did at one point get a double-team flapjack into a Snake Eyes on, I think it was James Drake, and that looked really good. Um, Ticket to Mayhem on one of them, one of the Everrise guys, got the win for the Grizzled Young Veterans. I do feel bad in a sense because Imperium were labeled as sort of the boring team that other teams had to face before, and I think they're doing that now again because they're in there and they're solid and they can match style with the Grizzled Young Veterans, but the Grizzled Young Veterans are the ones that are getting the focus. Everrise are developing this sort of like also ran characteristic in the background. Imperium are the ones that, that really fade into the background on this, which is kind of unfortunate. We get a prolonged video package uh, talking about all the different star reactions to the War Games matches themselves. Apparently, apparently, Fish is in the hospital for something that was never clarified. They mentioned it in the opening promo. Uh, Candice LeRae obviously has the issue with her arm now, and apparently Dakota Kai did something to her neck, spine, shoulder, something or other. She's tiny, it, it's a thing. I will say one thing. I really did like the women's match. It didn't feel like it was Team Candice, if that makes sense. Um, Dakota Kai was in there for much more of the match. She had a bigger personality in the match than, than Candice LeRae. Candice LeRae was sort of like a solid worker, like putting everything together. You could see that she was she was helping put the, put the match together. But it really did feel more like Dakota's team. Now, we're going to say some stuff to the contrary later on when we talk about the Garganos. But um, it felt like, I don't know, Tony Storm was the one that just turned. So she was the fresh turn. Dakota Kai is a bigger character than Candice LeRae. And coming out of it, uh, Raquel Gonzalez, who's going to face Ember Moon later tonight, uh, comes out as the last person anybody would have thought would have gotten the win. And she got the win over the NXT Women's Champion. And that tells a lot of interesting stories. But we're just stacking the injuries from... Uh, we're just stacking the injuries from the, the War Games matches. And, yeah... I, I really like war games. I don't want to see anybody get hurt, but I really... Pat McAfee doing the swanton and it looking like nobody caught him was a little bit of a groaner moment as well. Speaking of Tony Storm, Tony Storm is in the back getting interviewed. She's got her sights set on the NXT Championship. She talks some shit to Ember Moon because she's tired of hearing about Ember Moon. She's tired of hearing about poor Ember that got turned on, you know... It is what it is. Wrong place, wrong time. Io Shirai just steps up to her and says, I don't have a problem with you, I just don't like you. Which seems contradictory. And then your babyface champion attacked Tony Storm. So, I'm assuming somewhere along the way that we're going to get Tony Storm 
versus Io Shirai for the title, and I, I don't mind that at all. Now, there's a lot of other interesting things going on with Tony Storm we're going to talk about later in the show, so she's got a lot on her plate, technically speaking. Anyways, Io Shirai, Tony Storm, they brawl out of the interview area, down the ramp, and conveniently to the ring as they get to the ring. Sharp uppercuts by Shirai, running knees by Shirai, and Tony bails before Shirai can hit the over-the-moon salt, which is a weird... You figure moon, ember moon, but anyways. She bails before she can get hit by the over-the-moon salt. Uh, she's attacked by ember moon on the rampway, who tosses her back into the ring so she can get her moon salt, and we call it a day. Except we don't, because we know ember moon has a match coming up later on in the night. Tommaso Ciampa versus Cameron Grimes. Now, I love this. I really do. Um, I like the Tommaso Ciampa... Timothy Thatcher vibe because these guys are they're going to be a better version of the bar they're going to kick the shit out of each other until they realize they could be a good tag team they are going to do exactly what I want John Moxley and Eddie Kingston to do in, in AEW yes I'm giving some positive shine to AEW uh, nothing to do with being lame and showing up on impact and uh they got Shaq and Sting on their show tonight. Outsiders, celebrities, old guys, WWE Hall of Famers, WWE ex-employees as your champions. What can we say about AEW? I'm going to say some positive things about AEW when you tune in and join myself and Guapo on, on Friday and we talk about their tag team division because that's really good. Champa versus Grimes, and I went into this. I I kind of hoped that this was going to be a squash match, like in the in the best way possible. Cameron Grimes going out there being an annoying idiot and got, getting his ass handed to him. It's not quite what we got though. Collar and elbow type and a side headlock by Champa, followed by an armbar. Champa knee drops the arm and keeps manipulating it, working the arm. It's fantastic. And speaking of tactics and working the arm and psychology. Thatcher comes down with the chair, just like Ciampa did a couple weeks ago, to watch the match. There's a grounded side headlock by Ciampa. There's a shoving match. There's a hard iron whip and a back elbow and a takedown by Ciampa. They brawl on the outside in front of Thatcher. A kitchen sink by Grimes sends us into commercial break. Kitchen sink is not a very, very dramatic move to send us into the commercial break, is it? It's not like not-fiend Bray Wyatt grabbing a headset and saying, hey, we'll be right back, and that's why I don't review Raw. Moving on, coming back from the commercial break, there's a roll-up attempt by Ciampa, a clothesline, and a Superman lariat is what I'm going to call that. Boot by Grimes is a backdrop and a roll-up attempt. Weird, flippy, cross-body thing that Grimes does is done by Grimes. Back elbow and chops by Ciampa. Um... I cannot read my own writing. Oh, yeah, yeah, he tosses Grimes out of the ring. And in runs Thatcher's student, who at that point I didn't know the name of, for the distraction. And, yeah, Grimes tries to take advantage of this. There's a little bit of a cat and mouse, but as he's coming back into the ring, he gets planted off those ropes like a fucking tent spike by Ciampa. And how? For the win. Like... You know, you know the uh, the old uh, meme of Shawn Michaels standing on his head, and and the caption reads, "They told Shawn he could be anything he wanted, so he decided to be a tree." That was Ch that was Grimes getting dropped on his head by Champa. I've done a lot of camping. I know what a literal tent spike looks like. He was the proverbial tent spike, which is good. 
Uh, as Champa's leaving, he stares down Thatcher. Thatcher said he has nothing to do with his student getting involved. Champa gives him gives him the dirty eye and walks away, setting up the fact that yeah, we're definitely still playing mind games. We're definitely gonna have a couple more rounds with these guys, which won't be bad. Um, let's try not to bust open Thatcher's ear again. That'd be great, awesome. Thank you very much. And yeah, we're gonna get a team with these guys eventually somewhere down the line, are we not? Now the other fun thing is Grimes blames Thatcher. Grimes blames Thatcher for Thatcher's students interference which would have ultimately benefited Grimes if it had worked and he pulls him back multiple times tries to tell him off and Thatcher does this thing where he sort of spins him and grabs his ankle and I think he's gonna lock him down into an ankle lock but he doesn't he just does this quick snapping thing where it looks like his his whole leg just went the wrong way it made me think of the um the Baszler spot where she bends the arm up the wrong way and steps on it, but like basically he did that to his leg in midair, and I've I've never, I'm sure it's happened a million times, you know, five stars in the Tokyo Dome, brother, but I've never quite seen that, so it was new to me, and I like new things. This Zia Lee and Boa stuff, guys, I don't, they're in, they're in whatever this dark place is with this dark omniscient figure that's watching over them and the, the old guy that keeps yelling at them to keep trying, but he's yelling at them to keep trying where she's, she's punching the shit out of a dummy that's made out of wood, so that can't feel, I don't know anything about martial arts, I'm going to sound like an idiot, I know this, but it basically, it's, it's a wooden dummy with arms and legs, and she keeps hitting it, and she's hitting it so hard that she's like busting her own knuckles up, Boa isn't even doing that, Boa is just getting hit with a stick, a lot, <laughs> um, if these two don't burst on the scene at some point with some sort of gimmick change that threatens to change the entire landscape of NXT, I don't know whether this is worth... There was more blood in this backstage cinematic theatrical segment than WWE usually allows in an actual match. And that's weird. You know what's not weird? My favorite new faction in, in, in all of NXT. They are the way. It made me think of you know, uh, Triple H, when he first coined the, the game phrase, he's like, I, I don't fear the game, I am the game. Um, Gargano comes out with his wife with the broken wrist, her friend with the broken neck, and Austin Theory, who's kind of playing himself as a little bit of an idiot, but that's okay, because, you know, he could come back out next week with the screen mask on, and it'll be fine. Um, we told you we'd show you the way. We are the present and the future of NXT. We are the way. Brags about both of the wins. I got my title. That's the way. She's the captain of a winning War Games team. That's the way. Candace broke her arm, I got stitches in my mouth, and I'm still here to talk to you guys tonight. I'm the first ever three-time North American champion. She's the first two-time winning War Games captain thing, um, which is extra hilarious because she wasn't the captain of the team. Even though she was on the winning team last year, she was not the captain. And he says, if I'm Johnny Takeover, then she's Mrs. War Games, and this is a special moment. He presents... Candace with a trophy, and the trophy is like a shit-ass bowling trophy with a Shotzi Blackheart doll head on it, which, and the whole thing's green, obviously, but he keeps going on and on and on about how he shipped it over from Italy or some shit, and it's really, really expensive. Um, I got you this trophy, because the only trophy I need in my life is 
the North American Championship. And I'm kind of glad he said he didn't say that the only trophy I need in my life is you, because that's just the kind of thing that advocates would take the wrong way on social media, and then I'd have to tell them that they're idiots, and then I'd be the bad guy, wouldn't I? That's, uh, but the, uh... The only trophy he needs in his life is his North American Championship. And he says, Priest and Ruff still haven't gotten enough of us, though they challenged us to a tag team match next week. And basically, he coins this phrase again. Uh, actually, Candace does. She says, if you're not in the way, you need to get out of the way. And the double entendre there, it's corny, it's cheesy as hell, it's intentionally corny and cheesy as hell, but it's also kind of brilliant. And let's be real, that's definitely, definitely going to be on a t-shirt, isn't it? Priest tries to, uh, Priest tries to storm the ring, he wants to get his hands on Thatcher, obviously he says, do you still have your pipe with you, because I'm coming down there to stick it up your ass, but he gets cut off by the returning Karrion Cross, who beats the crap out of him all the way up the ramp, who throws him face first into the Tron, and it's not just face first into the Tron, if you picture that big X they have, um, as part of their entranceway, he throws them into, like, the pointy side of, of the X and then power bombs them off the stage. Now, they're in the CWC. It's not, it's not like they're in an arena or anything like that. So off the stage doesn't mean what it typically would or could mean in a bigger place, but it's still good. And he walks out of there like a badass, leaves the CWC, walks right outside, gets in his car and drives away with his hot-ass wife. So a good night and a good return for Karrion Cross. He's going to start with a mini-feud with Damian Priest. Pretty sure that's going to go down at New Year's Evil. He's eventually going to face Balor. Now, here's the thing. New Year's Evil isn't a pay-per-view. It's not a takeover. It is a another elevated, um, another elevated episode of NXT. I... I'm not sure who I want Balor to face on that night, because he said at the beginning of the show, I'm, I'm going to be defending my title uh, on the 6th at New, at New Year's Evil. Sorry, I lost my train of thought there for a second. It's fine. It's back now. We're good. Um, I'm going to be defending my title that night, and who I'm facing is more like a William Regal problem. I love that. But there's two matches that I want to see. One is Balor versus Dunn, the other is Balor versus Cross, which is the more obvious one. And I think both of those deserve to be on a pay-per-view stage. So I don't know who you put him in there with. I think maybe you put him in there with Priest. Maybe Priest. Maybe if, if they are... Here's what I'll say. If they are putting him in there with Dunn on New Year's Evil, then you put Priest in the match with Cross. Cross beats Priest, Balor beats Dunn. It becomes a little bit predictable at that point. And then you build to whatever whatever takeover is going to happen around Royal Rumble season. We don't know if it's going to be tied to the same weekend or anything like that. And then you build to what I'm sure they've wanted to build to for weeks now, which is the obvious Balor versus Cross match. But I, if that's the case, I'm going to be bummed because I do think, storyline aside, I do think Balor and Dunn deserves to be on a proper pay-per-view stage. Uh, all things being equal, and if if the world goes as as I want it to, Jake and I will come up at some point before New Year's Evil and do a preview, and I will skip reviewing that week, same as I did with Halloween Havoc. I really like the way that worked out last time, and I really like giving myself the night off if it is an elevated, uh, an elevated show. 
Um, where am I? Where am I? Where am I? Malcolm Bivens wants to talk to Tyler Rust, and Tyler Rust is apparently the the student of Thatcher's that got involved in the Champa match earlier. Malcolm Bivens is going to take Tyler Rust and be his manager. I gave you my card a week ago. Why haven't you called me back? Um, I guess because I mean I don't think Indusheer is a thing anymore. Uh, I don't know what to say. Uh, but the next one, too, Pete Dunne versus Killian Dane. A lot of stuff happened in this match, but really, these two guys, these two really, really big guys that could brawl, showed us every kind of kick there is. Pump kicks, bicycle kicks, you know, halu... Yeah, Killian Dane doing a haluva kick is terrifying. The, the, the guy shouldn't be able to move the way he moves. Uh, I, and now I know we got a lot of guys in WWE like that right now, but it's it just really is true. Uh, eventually, at one point, uh, because they are still a team, the team brought together by Pat McAfee, you do get Lorcan and Birch in there to try and run some interference, and they're cut off by Maverick, which doesn't sound like it should be a thing. Now, this ties everything up, though, because it ties up the, the fact of, that Pete Dunne took out Killian Dane, and he wants his revenge that way. But it also ties up or tells us how we're going to get Lorcan and Birch their first sort of token title defense. Because that token title defense is definitely going to be against Maverick and Dane. I don't mind any of that. The Maverick and Dane tag team is... It has potential. I wish they would not use... Ma like, I know Maverick is a comedy character. I get it. I do. The Rockstar Spud thing from TNA uh, up to now. Uh, but I really wish... Every now and then they would let him not be... Even when we were, when we were supposed to feel bad for him, when the, you know he was fired and then not fired and everybody got all butthurt about that because, eh, Black Wednesday, derp. Um, he was still a comedy character at the end of the day. He was still like the scrappy underdog and all that. I, I would love to see... Maybe not the, the people in the ring. I would love to see him take himself more seriously if he's going to have a match with, with these guys because these guys will kill him like that will be that will be the story they'll kill him Dane will try to save him and and they'll do something probably with Pete Dunne's help but I do like the fact that they tied up the loose end of Pete Dunne taking out uh, Killian Dane before immediately going into that sort of sub story over the tag titles which that for a show that's not a pay-per-view for a show that is just an elevated episode of NXT I wouldn't mind uh, Lorcan and Birch defending against Dane and Maverick on that show. I think that would be a nice little, like I say, elevated Wednesday night um, spectacle. I don't know. Exhibition is the word I was looking for there. Um, Gargano and Theory are picking on Leon Ruff backstage because they can, uh, telling him that Priest won't be available next week because he just had his ass handed to him by Karrion Cross, which is definitely true. He's like, well, I'm sure you'll do just fine now that it's a handicap match, and they walk away, and Leon Ruff's like, uh, what? Randomly out of nowhere, uh, he gets a fist bump from Kushida. He's like, so, you need a partner. Kushida is your partner. Okay. Now, here's the thing. A lot of people have been speculating that one of the filler feuds for Finn Balor and his NXT championship is going to be Kushida. Now, I don't want him to be a filler champion. I don't want, or sorry, a filler challenger. I would love to see him get that shot when they are thinking about legitimately putting him on it, because I like Kushida. Now, if this story that we've got next week turns into Kushida going for the North American championship against Johnny Gargano... 
that could be a lot of fun. Now, I'm speculating, obviously, but that could be a lot of fun, and I think they've kind of realized that Damien Priest being involved in this story that is mostly cruiserweights, um, I mean, I don't know how much a guy like Austin Theory weighs, but Gargano was literally in the cruiserweight classic. Leon Ruff weighs about as much as my big toe. Um, I think I think they figured they had to cycle him out so as well as wanting to have the the feud with with Cross, I think they needed a way to cycle him out and cycle Kushida in, and they've and they've done it, and they've kept it nice and simple. That's a match we have to look forward to next week. You know what else we have to look forward to is talking about this week's main event, which is Ember Moon versus Raquel Gonzalez, and they, out of nowhere seemingly, are really putting the rocket on Raquel Gonzalez. I'm not against that. I'm just saying that when you have Tony Storm, Rhea Ripley, Io Shirai. Ember Moon, uh, all these names that are bigger names and more established names, uh, it's kind of a positive surprise that they are still, other than them, finding other people to put uh, a spotlight on as well. Moon, Gonzalez, as a main event uh, post-War Games match, it still carries on from War Games. Um, I don't know what else you want me to say. I'm surprised that Io Shirai attacked Tony Storm instead of attacking... Gonzalez this week, considering she's the one that ate the pin off of Gonzalez. That that weird one arm uh, super power bomb through the through the ladder was a pretty wicked spot. Surprise ending. Like I say, uh, like I said at the beginning, I don't think anybody thought that the person scoring the pin in that match was going to be Gonzalez. I thought it was going to be either Shotzi or Ripley or or Tony or somebody. But, uh, obviously they see something in her, and she's at least going to be a strong contender for Io Shirai, if not the one that actually takes it off her, which I wouldn't have predicted, like, a week ago, I promise. Anyways, head scissor attempt by Moon to start the match, and it's reversed into a front slam. The choke, uh, by Gonzalez against the ropes, and a whip by the head, and then a huge hip toss. Huge Irish open a corner splash by Gonzalez. Uh, super kick by Moon. And the, uh... Gonzalez does the shower of elbow spots. Now, I haven't mentioned the shower of elbow spots in a long time, because that was really something more that I applied to Dolph Ziggler, where he would drop the elbow and not even really be fully standing again before he drops it again, and just, just rotate through, like, three or four of them. And it's it's a nice spot. And coming from a powerhouse like Gonzalez, it's, I dare say, even more impressive than, than Ziggler. Both women trade some forms. There's a single leg dropkick by Moon, a flatliner by Moon from the knees, which was nice, and a spear through the ropes a la Big E as we go to the commercial break. Come back from the commercial break and the gory special submission by Gonzalez, jawbreaker by Moon, boot by Gonzalez, and a mule kick by Moon, head scissor into the turnbuckle by Moon, followed by a tornado su <coughs> suplex. Series of kicks by Moon and a cartwheel, cartwheel forearm. I can speak, I swear. Tornado DDT by Moon and a suicide dive. That now Gonzalez picks her up on the outside and and I can only say lawn darts her into the ring post. Like totally freehand, lawn dart, head first, into the ring post. Now how do we recover from that? We get back into the ring, Moon's in the corner, and uh, Raquel Gonzalez goes for a big spear in the corner. She misses. She eats the post shoulder first. Moon gets out to the outside on the apron, takes a running knee shot. Running knee shot sandwiches Gonzalez's head between her kneecap and the ring post. And I'm like, okay, so you've both smashed each other's skulls into the ring post. And I'm going to borrow the line from JR. When skull meets steel, steel wins. So, nice, nice little shots. She goes for the eclipse, and the eclipse is blocked 
by Gonzalez, and she sort of swats it away. Um, they do a few more a few more counters. Unfortunately, this is the exact point where my stream decided to die for a second. Uh, out of these few more exchanges, Gonzalez eventually hits the one-arm powerbomb and gets the win. Now, after the match, Tony Storm is back out because they fought earlier in the night, and she's about to... She looks like she's about to lay into Ember Moon, but she's sort of cut off by other music, and this is Rhea Ripley. And I'm thinking, okay, there's a couple different things that could happen here. She's she's here to defend her her partner and and whatever from the from the war games. They've built up a common respect. You know, all all baby faces are friends. It's that sort of cheesy thing. Or we're gonna revamp the feud that I absolutely loved from NXT UK between Rhea Ripley and Tony Storm with the roles reversed and then at the very last minute Raquel Gonzalez stepped in front of Tony Storm and we got the whole we got the clear indicator that uh, Rhea Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez are gonna go another round and I'm and I'm cool with that I really really am fine with that but somewhere along the way because the dynamics are the dynamics between these two are so different from what they were coming off of the Mae Young Classic, from what they were coming off of the NXT UK Women's Championship initial tournament and the feud that those guys had, along with Piper Niven at some point, who's incredibly underrated and should be on this NXT. Um, please, 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 please give me Face Ripley versus Heel Storm at some point. You don't need to involve the title in that scenario. You can have a pay-per-view where the title match is something else and these two feuding are just feuding and it will be great. I promise you it was great in the in the in the UK title tournament. It was great when it became a feud in the UK. Both of them are better now. I know Tony Storm's had some some dodgy moments since she's come back to NXT proper. Both of them are better off now than what they were back then, and the feud back then was great. Give this to me. I need it in my fucking veins, and that's the only drug reference I'm going to make tonight. Probably NXT is a drug. Can I get that on a t-shirt? Along with, if you're not in the way, get out of the way. <laughs> Next week is interesting. Next week we've got uh, Gargano and Theory versus the brand new team of Leon Ruff and Kushida. I really wonder what's going to happen right there. Like I say, I hope Kushida goes for the North American Championship because that'll be fantastic. Uh, like I said to you guys at the beginning of the show, please put it down in the comment section below. Who do you ultimately want to see Balor uh, first defend his title against and who do you think Io Shirai should go up against because obviously Raquel is somebody that they've got in mind. Tony Storm is somebody that was literally attacked by the champion tonight. There are a couple of faces that they could have face versus face sort of respectful like exhibition matches with um, the tag team division is sort of growing so you got a couple different choices there. Put it down in the comment section. If you're watching it in the chat right now and you're talking to me live in the chat right now I'll, I'll still say, I'll still encourage you to go down into the comment se section and see what kind of conversation this turns into. All the championships in NXT, who do you want the next challengers to be? I really want to know. Uh, that'll be the new meaning of, you know, keep all these conversations going, etc. But speaking of my catchphrasey ending... I've been Spaz, your YWC reality chick. Subscribe up there, talk down there, start a conversation, keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger, I will talk to you to every last one of you later, but right now, tag it out. Don't